sorrows I'm trading my shame I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord I'm trading my sickness I'm trading my pain I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord Yes, Lord Say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Amen. I'm pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. I'm blessed beyond the curse, for His promise will endure. It's gonna be my strength. Though the sorrow may last through the night, if joy comes in the morning, I traded my sorrow, I traded my shame, I lay in the down for the joy of the can have a seat. Good morning. Welcome to Harmony Baptist Church. It is great to see everyone this morning. It is great to be here. I've got a few announcements I'm going to start out with. First, if you are a guest with us this morning, we welcome you. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad you've uh, chosen to spend your time with us. In the pouch in front of you, there is a little card. We'd love for you to fill it out and uh, you can pass it to the ushers as they come by later on or on your way out. There's a wooden box on the right. You can drop it in there as well. 
Uh, there will be a new members class on April 22nd and 29th at 9 a.m. This is for everyone new to the church, plus those returning after a significant period of absence. Call or email the office if you would like to attend. If you have any questions, please see Pastor John or Pastor Derek. Diana Nyberg is collecting children's books to start a library at the YMCA Preschool in Middletown. She will be collecting books for the next three weeks. You can place your books in the box located in the foyer. Please see Diana with any questions. Hey! (laughs) Please bring books. Give them to Diana or put them in the box. Ignite is having a spring teen outreach event on April 21st from 5 to 8 p.m. called Bigger and Better. If you're able to drive teens for this event, or if you would like more information, please see Tim Strait. Is this where they go out with like a paper clip and they come back with like a 57 Chevy? They have to like work their way up. Yeah, tell them what it is. All right, yeah, so we're hanging out next Saturday. Uh, we're going to break up into groups. Each group is going to get a paper clip, and they're going to go out in the community, and they are going to trade that paper clip for something bigger and better, and they're going to go wherever they can to bring back the biggest and best thing. Uh, and when they go, they're going to have a little card that's going to look something like that, Except it's not going to say April 21st, Ignite. Maybe the little Instagram thing will be there. But on the back, it's going to say, did you know there is a bigger and better plan for your life? And if you'd like to find out more, check us out here. And it'll be some information for the church. So if you have a student from 7th to 12th grade, you are officially invited right here, right now. Bigger and better, April 21st, 430. Drivers have to be there by 5, students 430. All right, any questions? See me after. Boom. Wouldn't it be amazing if somebody came back with like a hot air balloon? Like that would be, that would be bigger and better. Anyway, I digress. There will be child protection training on Saturday, May 19th, 2018 at 10 a.m. If you have not had this training and you will be working with our children and or youth, this class is mandatory. Please call the church office to sign up. Paint night supporting the Hoving Home, May 19th at 6.30 p.m. Please see the sign-up sheet in the foyer. Speaking of the Hoving Home, I have a little thing to read here. It's a thank you note. Dear friends at Harmony Baptist, thank you for pouring into our ladies. You exemplify the love of Christ, and our ladies are truly touched by all that you do. We hope to continue a friendship with you. God bless. In his grip, Suzanne Smith. I I, I think... uh, I feel like maybe we got a little more than they did last week. You know, that they were, it was a, an amazing, amazing time to be here. Uh, if you are reading the Daily Bible, woo, you should currently be up to page 1050. If you are reading an ebook, you should be on August 16th. Please see your bulletin for additional and more detailed announcements. Pastor John, come on up and uh, introduce our next uh, element in the program. What's next? No, I'm kidding. You know. We do know. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Welcome back. And uh, welcome to those of you who are here. I know some of you are here to support your Haiti team from the school. I've seen people here, and some are here to support our speaker today. And we've been doing a series on Grace Illustrated, and last week was a great demonstration of Grace Illustrated in the lives of transformed young ladies. By the way, if you didn't hear it, I'm going to tattle a little they said to some of us on the way out, this was the best reception we've ever had. Isn't that cool? Way to go, Harmony. 
And I know the ladies and the uh, deaconesses did such an awesome job. I want them to cater. Uh, what do I want them to cater? What do I have next in my life? I don't know. My funeral? I don't know. Something. It's a, hey, hey, what? Not yet. Thank you. Our, uh, our school supports a mission trip uh, every year. Our ringleaders are here today, especially Nadine Long. She's uh, very excited about Haiti and Mrs. Haney, and their team members are all with us, including ours that have come back. And so they're going to share their story today. So I'm going to welcome them up, and uh, let's give them a welcome as they share what's happened in the last week. I have my phone up here with a timer so we don't run over. <laughs> okay, as uh, Pastor Halko said, I'm Nadine Long. I'm one of the teachers at Harmony and uh, the missions coordinator. And we are very excited to share with you um, about our missions trip that we had over spring break. Um, this will be my fourth time that I've uh, had the privilege to go to Haiti. And then um, two others have also been there before. And then we had two who this was their first time. And Kenny is sick. So unfortunately, he wasn't able to be here today. But we're going to go ahead and get started with the slideshow because we're going to keep it moving. As you know, um, Haiti has had some uh, very severe uh, weather issues uh, along with their poverty. Um, the earthquake, the hurricane uh, last fall. So there was a lot of uh, damage that was done once again. But uh, it is still a beautiful country, uh, still uh, a country where uh, they are still seeking to um, spread the light of Jesus. So we'll go to the next slide. Anybody else want to talk? Okay. Uh, we stayed at this house. This is Mama Paz and Papa Paz's home. These, these are the founders of the Wings of Refuge. Um, so they hosted us for the six days that we were there. Um, they blessed us in unimaginable ways. So um, there you go. Got to keep it. Next slide. And this is just us traveling, ready to go. (laughs) And uh, some of them, it was their first trip on a plane. So that was a lot of fun for them. Uh, And then when we got off the plane, obviously, that was our view, one of our views of just seeing the beautiful mountains and scenery of Haiti. Okay, next. You go. So this is um, a store down there. It's all entirely Haitian-run. It's called Papillon. Um, a lot of you heard me talk about it last year and a few times after that. But they employ over, uh, what is it, 230 Haitians. Um, it's entirely Haitian-run, and everybody there, all the Haitians there, they're the sole providers of their families. So because of this, 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 uh, this place, they're able to keep their families and have meals and a home and clean water and clothes, and they can send their kids to school. Uh, there's a daycare there that they can leave their kids, that they have a place where they know they're going to get cared for while they go and work and try to make a living so they can have a house and food and water and everything. <laughs> so this is just our morning devotions. We would just sit there at the top of the roof, so that's our view in the morning. Um, so it just shows the mountains right there, and we would just be able to like sit there and actually like pray and just be together as a team. Second day, the first full day we were there, we spent our morning at um, Haiti Design Co., which is a company similar to Papillon that Connor talked about. They, em- they employ the Haitians. 
when I started thinking about it, it seemed like, well, we have that in America, job security, they train us, you know, we have 401ks. So they do similar things with the Haitians there. They make jewelry, they do, they sew um, things made out of leather. So the Haitians that are there working um, do get trained in-house, do get educated. There's counseling services for them. They also teach them gardening, I think, which is the next slide. I missed the first chapel we did, where they're teaching them to use items that they have, recyclable items, to you know, to plant gardens. These people go home and their home could be a shack on the side of the road, not necessarily. So they have to use what they have in order to provide for their families. So for us, we got to spend the morning, make bracelets, took us an hour, they make a thousand in a day. So we kind of had a little hard time with the bracelets. Americans are a little slow. Yes. (laughs) We're a little shocked. We're like, well, how many do you guys make in a day? They're like, a thousand. And we're like, oh, "Oh, yeah. was the first day we got to visit the children's home. So those are all of them. There's 32 of them. And we were finally, that's when they were able to like introduce themselves and stuff. So me and Connor got the privilege to meet these kids again and they recognized me, Nadine, and Connor by our names. So it was really like exciting to come back and them recognize us like that. So these are... um, these are just a few pictures of what the kids had us doing, because we're there for the kids. The kids aren't there for us. We're there for them. So th- we just kind of let them do their thing, and they involve us if they want to, and they usually do. Um, there's one picture there in the middle where Nadine, Amber, and Kim are helping with the dishes. And they have a very specific process of how they like to do their dishes. They have four big bowls on the ground. One of them, the first one, was bleach. It's just water. It's just water. And they wipe all the food off, and they soap it, and they bleach it, and then they got two rinse buckets. And and if you hand them a plate or a bowl that's not clean, they'll say, no, that's not clean. Do it again. You're not done. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right there. Little boy in the very end. Oh, he was the inspector. He'd look at every (laughs) inch of that plate. No, that's it. Do it again. Uh, Yeah. Um, up in the left, you have Kim playing checkers, and they, they have their own rules for a lot of their games down there. They let you win, but they don't let you know that they're letting you win, and then they congratulate you for winning, even though they let you win and you really didn't touch any pieces. <laughs> but as long as they're having fun, then we're doing our job. <laughs> Um, and they really like when you read to them. Um, as soon as Amber got there, they, ha- they handed her a stack of books and said, read these, please. So you'll see her on the couch over there during reading her, I don't know, probably third or fourth book. <laughs> they, even though some of them don't really understand what you're reading to them, they're just happy that you're there reading to them. <laughs> I did all the games. Um, We did a lot of games with the kids because they don't have a lot down there that they can use as toys. So we tried to come up with simple games that didn't require a lot of a lot of toys or anything. So this is um, one of Kenny's games. He calls it bridge ball. Basically, you stand in a circle and there's a ball in the middle and you try and hit it between somebody else's legs. And it was really simple. All it took was a little inflatable ball. And they were loving it. We were playing that for what felt like hours, <laughs> especially standing in the hot sun. But they loved it. It was just it's something simple, something they can do on their own, and that's really what they enjoy because, I mean, they don't have teams down there 24-7 like we were. Um, 
they really need things that they can do on their own, and we, we were happy to show them things that they could continue to do after we left. <laughs> so while we were there, we had three different stations that the children rotated through. We had activities that Connor and Connor just talked about with Kenny, and we had two crafts. So these were two of the crafts that I did with them. Um, you know, I did the rainbow, which seems simple, paper play, cotton ball streamers, brought in Christ into it with his never-ending love and the promise that God gave us. They thought it was a kite. They ran through with those, hung them in the rooms, and then I did the little satchels with them, um, stenciling on them. They took such, they carefully put their names on everything, you know, and they, they wore those like they were worth something to them, you know. So it was kind of, it was, they blessed me in that, you know, the little crafts that we did with them, they treasured them. So this was Good Friday, and um, uh, this craft that we uh, that I did with them and uh, the others that helped um, is just very simple: paper plate markers. And if you see the care that they're doing to cut out the crosses correctly and to um, put them on the paper plate, and and then his uh, message that he wrote in the middle was, you know, Jesus died for everyone. And um, I said, you can write whatever you want in there, and I had written, Jesus died and rose again, but. Um, they were very much aware of their environment, and they are very much aware of those who don't value Haiti and those who don't value them. And um, this was very beautiful in the fact that, you know, they are valued. These 32 children that are there, we our prayer is to help um, build them up so that they become Haitian leaders, that they become... Um, you know, life in the community as well. And so our, even though we were very protective in that environment right there, we were still pouring into these 32 kids. And uh, our prayer is, again, that they would be able to show that light. And us giving them all of this time and attention really allowed them to feel, yeah, Jesus really does love me. And he loves me as a Haitian, and he loves me as a child. And even though I don't have a mom or a dad around anymore um, because they can't take care of me, that, you know, we are valued. And, and that was, it's, it's a very beautiful thing to see that in a child's eyes, that they do feel valued. So for my craft, I had them do something with our team verse, which was Micah 6-8. And I had them trace their hand and then draw a heart and draw a foot. And I had given them the choice to either write it in Creole or in English. And what a majority of them did was they took my poster and they copied the English rather than writing it in Creole. And it was so cool to see how, like, they didn't rush to trace their hand. Like, they took their time with tracing their hand and drawing the heart and drawing the foot. And they valued, like, that little small craft that wasn't much to find a found on Pinterest. Like, it wasn't that hard to find. It was super simple, and they all loved it. In the Creole Bible? Is that when they looked at the verse? Yeah. So we had, like, translators for each of our crafts, and they would help us translate the directions and stuff for our craft. And if they had trouble translating for, like, my craft, they looked up the verse in the Creole Bible, and one of the translators read it, and then they translated it into English to do the craft. Um, this year in school, um, some of you were involved in that, supporting one of the children at the home, and then they were pen pals for us. <clears throat> so we took down letters. Uh, we, writ- we wrote them at the beginning of the year, and then we had letters we brought down. 
And the little boy in the red shirt, Darvinsley, has letters from my class. So he handed those to him and read them, and he could say all their names. Um, he went back and collected letters from his room that he, we sent him, like, in October. And then he went back and brought back the picture I sent of my class. So he remembered all of that, which just surprised me. And each one of them, we all had letters from high school, from middle school, from elementary, waiting. They just wanted those letters. So, And then these are more games and more crafts. Well, I guess we're playing games here, too. Okay, Good Friday service. We had the privilege of going to Papa Paul's church. Um, he has four churches, and um, along with the Ministry of Wings of Refuge, uh, one of the churches he did start was up in Lartigue, which we went to our second time. Um, that church, in and of itself, there was no Christianity. It was all voodoo. And um, the people from the mountains said, please bring Christianity. Please shine a light there. So, oh, that's my time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, and so he was able to go up to Lartigue, which is about five hours from there, and um, they now have a Christian church and a school and a food program and a medical program. And they were able to start that through different um, teams that came up to help. <clears throat> and instead of going to a witch doctor, which, you know, voodoo doctor they do have up there, <clears throat> they now have an alternative for the great physician. And so... Um, as he prepares for different uh, ministries, we were able to partake in uh, the foot washing ceremony, which again, you know, at the Last Supper, Jesus was washing feet, and this was a very humbling and a beautiful ceremony that we were able to participate in. The beach day. So the kids don't always get the privilege to go out besides where, like school and the house. So last year we were able to take them to the park, and this year it was even more of a bigger treat. We were able to take them to the beach. The kids do not know how to swim, and there's not that many helpers. So having an additional, yeah, having an additional six helpers to be able to just play with them and just be at the beach with them was so helpful. So we got the privilege to take them to the beach and just see how excited they were. Um, they were telling us to like teach them how to float and how to swim and it was just amazing to just be able to take them there we had um we were able to get coconuts like right off the tree basically and then we like he said it was a dollar for us like um, not haitian dollars but american dollars so we bought like all of them coconuts (laughs) Uh, Sunday church, we actually were able to go to a church. Um, Alexa, she is um, one of the directors at Wings of Refuge. She is an American who married a Haitian. And um, we this church actually had translators in English. So we had headphones so we could actually understand um, the service a lot better. And then after the, ser- uh, after the service, we then went back to Wings of Refuge where we had a meal together. And then we did um, a painting on that we had donated that they had... Uh, Mrs. Karlstrom had done the baskets, um, and then we did all their handprints, and then they put their names on them, and then this was our gift to them as well, um, just as a family memento. And that's us. And that was the last day that we were able to, like, spend time with the kids. And that's our trip in a nutshell. Thanks for sharing. I'm really glad you got rain up there. I was going to pull around and say, you didn't say anything. 
She's one of our uh, you yes. know, newer believers, and we're really glad she went, and she's even smiling. That's great. You guys did a good job. Thank you. Um, I'm going to ask you to stay up, or I'm going to pray. What's the pastor's name specifically? His name is Wilson Charles. Wilson. Pastor Wilson. All right. He's really going after stuff. He really is. I like that. Trying to, trying to pierce that darkness of voodoo and, and um, really get you know, Christ's love shining through and... You know, he's fighting a battle. It really is a spiritual battle. And awesome. we're very pleased that we were able to come alongside him and encourage him. So I'm going to pray for these folks and for Pastor Wilson. And I'm going to ask the, I'm going to kill two birds with one stone here. I'm going to ask the ushers to come. Right after my prayer, we're going to receive the offering and go into a song. And you guys can take your seats. Okay. But while you're up here, I'd like, you, like us all to pray together. The body of Christ, right, all have the ability to go into the presence of the Father through who? His Son, Jesus, right? And so I'm asking you to exercise your priesthood by joining me. Don't just listen to me. Offer this up as a prayer as well, okay? Let's pray together. Thank you, God. Number one, I want to thank you that you answered prayer a lot on this trip. You've brought these people down. You kept them safe. You gave them blessings. You enabled them to minister. You brought them home safely. None of that do we take for granted. Thank you for what has been impacted through them. And I'm praying, Lord, that what they have seen, especially some of our younger folks, that, Lord, if you want to get your hands into their lives for the future, maybe there's some calling on them for some place, maybe Haiti, maybe elsewhere. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let them hear from you. Let them hear clearly. You're a God who is mighty to save. Thank you for the reminder today that uh, one day we will be worshiping with a crowd from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Haitians, Ukrainians, (laughs) fill in every blank. We're all going to be part of that. People from every tribe and nation will be worshiping the lamb who was slain. And so, Lord, we're grateful for that reminder and that speaking of life into these children's hearts. Lord, we pray for Pastor Wilson. I really want to stand with him today as he pushes against the powers of darkness. And, Lord, you know that Haiti has been a country that's had a hard time standing on its own feet. And, Lord, this is a great opportunity. These uh, sustainable ministries, production being able to sell items, and then to make inroads with the church into dark areas. Lord, we praise you for that and ask you, you multiply it in the name of Jesus. Multiply it by your grace. And now we want to pray because our congregation does our easy task compared to all of that. Sorry. And that is to give to the kingdom purpose. So as we give, bless it, we ask. We're committing all of this to you in the great name of Jesus and all of God's people said. Amen. Amen and amen. 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 So as the plate comes by, I'm going to invite you to stand and sing with us. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus.
men. Kingdom kids, now is the time. Ages three to third grade, you are dismissed to junior church. The rest of you are stuck with us. And while you're here, you might as well join us as we sing Reckless Love. Down, lie you won't tear down. 
coming after me There's no shadow you will light up Mountain you will climb up Coming after me There's no wall you won't kick down Lie you won't tear down Coming after me There's no shadow No shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't climb up Coming after me no wall you won't get down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. No shadow you won't light up, down you won't pile up, coming after me. No wall you won't get down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Don't love of God leaves the 99 for the one we're here to worship him this morning the God of all creation the God who sent his son to die the God who saw us in our brokenness and said you know what I still want them with me <laughs> I don't get it <laughs> I know me and I don't get it but I'm sure I'm sure thankful I'm sure grateful and he sure is worthy of our worship, whatever, whatever brokenness we bring here before him. It's, it's filthy rags, but we are here to worship him this morning. So let's give him, uh, let's give him what we've got and continue to pursue him as he's pursued us.
never know. But we sure are thankful, Lord. Hear our praises as we sing. Jesus, friend of sinners, we have strayed so far away. We cut down people in your name, but the sword was never ours to swing. Jesus, friend of sinners, the truth becomes so hard to see. The world is on their way to you, but they're tripping over me. Always looking around, but never looking up. So double-minded. Plank I'd say, dirty hands and a heart divided. Oh, Jesus, friend of sinners, open our eyes to the world at the end of our pointed fingers. Let our hearts be led by mercy. Help us reach with open hearts and open doors. Oh, Jesus, friend of sinners, break our hearts for what breaks your Oh, 
died for sinners like us, in spite of us. And on the third day, you rose again. We praise you. Moving our hearts in a mighty way this morning as we hear from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You're allowed to do that. Yeah. Especially Jesus, friend of sinners, Amen. Whether we're really outcasts of bad people that got saved or very religious bad people that got saved. Doesn't matter. Need to get saved. Amen? Oh, that was kind of weak. You need to get saved. Amen? Okay. Have more than 20 convinced. This is good. While back, uh, while back, uh, what? What are you laughing at? While back, uh, a new family of uh, joined our church, came to our church, and we noticed them. We were glad that they're here. I've mentioned them once at least and tried to uh, introduce you a bit. And then um, the individual involved, uh, uh, David, uh, felt called to ministry, or he was actually finally gave up resisting. That's probably a good way to put it. And uh, wanted to go as an intern, and because he is in the military and could take his window, they are supplying his uh, support for a six-month internship. Now, what pastor would pass that up? It's free. So I said, okay. And so uh, David uh, Clower is going to be sharing this morning uh, because uh, we've been talking about Grace Illustrated and uh, God's ability to rescue. And he is a, an individual who was rescued by the grace of God a few weeks back in one of our staff meetings, Derek said, we ought to hear from David. And I said, okay. And so I wanted to hear from him first, just to make sure it wasn't like, hey, you know, I became a Mormon and it really has changed my life. I didn't, I didn't want anything off the, off the reservation. And when I heard his testimony, I went, oi, yeah, we should. So David, why don't you come up here as he's coming um, I want to tell you a story. When I first got called to ministry, I was asked in my church to speak at prayer meeting. I totally froze. I think I babbled a bit. People in the church were so gracious. They kind of reminded me of Marty's mom in Back to the Future after she heard of Marty, that was very interesting music you were playing, you know. 
They were really kind to me, and uh, I know he's nervous, so be really kind, okay, as our brother shares his story and the word together today, okay? Let's welcome David Cloer. Yes, it is. All right, is there, can everyone hear me? All right, very good. Outstanding. All right, go ahead and turn that down. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate yes, it. I always have it done for me. Shame All on right. me. Thank you. Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good Guests, visitors. Uh, I just want to say thank you so much. Uh, I especially want to give a uh, special thanks to uh, Pastor John, his wife, Derek, and your lovely wife as well. I also want to give a, a special thank you to my mother and father. They could not be here today. Um, they are down in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, where the uh, weather is actually not bipolar. So, um, but hopefully, hopefully that the uh, upcoming week they'll actually be able to hear it because my mom has spent 30 years, 30 years praying that one day I would stay in here. So, thank you. <clears throat> and it's been a uh, it's been a very difficult journey. It really, truly has. And uh, I know it's odd seeing a tattooed man with the military trying to uh, hold back tears. I'm sure I'm going to hear it from my friend Corey, who came here all the way from West Point or Cornwall, if I will. Sorry, you guys pay your taxes. Good for y'all. Um, and they came here to support me. And, you know, I sat there and I thought about that. You know, the brotherly love that we, that we share. And I, and I sat there and I thought all the way back as I was standing there, people were asking me, are you nervous? Are you nervous? I'm not nervous because I know I'm going to be sharing the word of God and what he has done. But what I am nervous about is that it may not resonate with some people. And that's what I'm nervous about. So, I say that to say this. People come to support. And sometimes we don't support our fellow Christians. Sometimes we don't support the lost. And we are wrong for that. It's just like the, uh, the song that we just sang. God, help us break our hearts with what breaks yours. So, with that being said, I'm going to ask that you turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. I'll be reading the scripture of 45 and 46. As you turn, I will say this, that I'm going to give you somewhat the end credits of my life before I dive into my story. And you're probably scratching your heads and going, um, I don't, that kind of doesn't make sense. Well, I'm giving you the end credits of my, the end of my life before I became a Christian. So, when everybody has uh, turned to that passage of Scripture, I'm going to ask that you join me in the standing of the honor of God's Word. Please. Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. It says, verse 45, The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is the evil. From his mouth 
speaks from that which fills his heart. And hear this, verse 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? I'm going to say that. I'm going to read that. Verse 46, if you will, please read it with me out loud. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? Wow. That hits. That hits home. And that hits home because before I even became a Christian, I grew up in a Christian environment, and I used to sit there and judge people because I was afraid that I was being judged. I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we'll begin my story. Lord, I come to you today as a broken man, as humbled for the mere fact that I'm able to stand behind this pulpit and share your word. You and I both know that I should not be here multiple times. And I just ask that you just break me down. And allow me to share my testimony. And allow me to just speak through your scripture. And hopefully, Lord, hopefully I can just reach one. That one out of the 99. Lord, thank you so much for allowing everyone to gather here in the house of of worship. Lord, thank you so much and speak through me. Lord, you know that I battled a very emotional week. Lord, just take that from me and allow me to focus on why I'm here. Lord, thank you so much. And all of God's people said amen. All right, so, yeah, please be seated. My apologies. My apologies. So, before I dive into this, I have a... um, I have this big, this big book that my, that my grandmother sent me, and it is the Jeremiah Study Bible. And with verse 45, the, uh, the notes say, one of the best ways to tell what is in someone's heart is to observe what comes out of that person's mouth. And that takes me back to this prior Wednesday whenever I was sitting at a youth group, Taming the Tongue. We spoke on that. And with that being said, Pastor Tim, he goes, I'm going to write on a uh, whiteboard. And I want you to propose what's the first word that comes out of your mouth with Christianity, with the Christian religion. And I sat there and I was observing everyone else. And I said, well, I'm going to be a little brave and I'm going to, I'm going to say this. And I said, cannibalism. And he looks at me and he's like, whoa, that was heavy, first one, whoa, all right? And he goes, he goes, why is that? And I said, because Christians eat their own. Do we not? And I sat there and I reflected all the way back to the time that I grew up in the church. I grew up in the church. Twice on Sunday, once on Wednesday, And then Monday through Friday because I was in a Christian prep school. And I watched. It was like it was a safari. Just people just being preyed upon. And I was one of them. 
I was one of them. So it goes on to say within the notes, it says, especially in times of stress or difficult, difficulty, how a person speaks is un, in unguarded moments says a great deal about his or her spiritual life. Let that marinate for a second. We are so... We are so afraid because we don't know how to deal with difficult times sometimes. So whenever someone comes through the doors, they're like, you know what? I can't deal with myself, so I'm going to lash out on that person. I'm going to break them down so I'm no longer alone. So then it goes on to say with the, uh, with the ad lib for 46, it says, To call someone Lord is to acknowledge that person's authority. To call someone Lord and then disregard that person's instructions is to live as a liar and a hypocrite. With that being said, I went and did a little bit more research, and I will end this to let it resonate, and I will, I will tell my story. The only time the word hypocrite is spoken in the Bible is through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only one out of the Bible who uses the word hypocrite. That hit home to me. Why is our Lord Jesus Christ the only one that is saying hypocrite? So the title of my message today is called Embrace Your Scars. As you can see, I have plenty. So, I sat there this morning and I struggled with what I was going to wear to bring this before you. And I almost got sick to my stomach because I was afraid of what I should wait to read from these. It's very unfortunate. But that's unfortunately the nature of the beast that we live in. Even whenever we walk through these doors. So I say that to say this. I have a... Uh, I like poetry. Corey, don't you judge me. Speaking on judgment, but I feel that with poetry we're allowed to escape reality sometimes. The poem is called Battle Scars. It is a secular poem. I'm going to go ahead and disclaim that. It is by a woman by the name of Emma Sawyer, and it goes a little something like this Battle Scars, this is for you. My body is scarred, it has been for years now. They are still fresh as the day they formed, each one showing how to survive a little longer in the world. They are worn daily just to show you're alive. Every time you look down, the scars, those battle scars, flare up like diamonds in the light, showing all dimensions of perfection fresh on the skin. The human being without scars is a heart without a beat. It is our statement piece. Defining us into being a warrior we must become. Yet we wallow in self-pity craving attention to heal the wounds. Our scars stand by us when all else fails, showing the darkness behind each soul, giving light to a person we thought we knew. They are all over my face, screaming the words nightmare, pleading for pride. 
Each sting like the wasp's fear. They hurt to remind you they haven't gone. Never will they settle down beside your soul in peace. Battle scars, those battle scars, bleed out, shriek out, wail out for acceptance. Which is denied by our lives. Make a soldier out of me. Wear my, bottle, wear my battle scars with courage. Let them taunt my name in disgust. They can shine whenever they want to, but it won't stop me. Let them be my sole companion for life. This life is now mine. Some powerful words. Powerful words. So, my story begins June 26, 1987, Jacksonville, Florida. I grew up on two acres in the suburbs of Jacksonville. I grew up on the west side of town, which was known for prominent uh, violence, gangs, drugs, and murder. But fortunately, I grew grew up on the uh, countryside. It was a dead-end road. There was a cow pasture at the end. My mother, she is from Columbus, Georgia, My father, I'm pretty sure he is from Mississippi, or he'll correct me a week later and say, no, son, I was born in Titusville, Florida. But either way, I still have a hard time remembering his birthday. It's probably one of the most difficult ones my wife can attest. She always reminds me. But that's neither here nor there. But my family is very strong in their southern roots. I grew up below the Bible Belt. Everywhere you went, everyone sat there and said, oh, bless you. God be with you. If you don't have anywhere to go, you can come to our church. It was a way of life. So, my mother, she raised me in the church. Even whenever I was in her belly, I I grew up in the church. I was with her in her belly whenever she sang in the choir. And then whenever I was born on June 26th, very first thing, I was in church. Very first person I ever knew was from the church. And to this day, mother, I thank you. I remember growing up, and I remember being a little different because I didn't have very many friends. The only friend I had, he, he unfortunately is in, uh, in prison. Life without parole for murder. He was the only other person I knew. My family is not very close. The only time we ever see each other is on the days that someone has either passed away or we're just passing through. Like I said, I was an only child. I grew up on two acres. The only thing that I knew was just playing by myself. I didn't know how to socially develop with people. So, as soon as I started becoming around people, I was a little different. My mother, she took me everywhere. My father, to this day as a father, I understand why he did what he did. He was a firefighter. He worked 24 hours straight and then 48 hours off. But my mother insisted that I would go to a Christian prep school. So, growing up in a double-wide trailer... That's what he did. He worked himself to the bone. Went and found odd jobs while he was a firefighter. Never really got to see him. It's fine. So, never really had a father figure. Um, Dad, I know this is going to be a little hard to hear whenever you listen to this, but it's okay. I want you to know that. So, here I am growing up. Christian church, not really associated with people. 
Started didn't fit, I really didn't fit in. Kids remembered me because, guess what? The kids that I went to school with, I would see at church. I would see at children's church. Oh, that's Dave. He's weird, man. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Well, we'll just sit there and call him names, but guess what? Come Sunday school morning, guess what? Hey, what's up, Dave? How's it going? Do you want to come in our prayer circle and hear about veggie tales? Dating myself, but it is cool. All right, so do you want to come listen to veggie tales? Hey, guess what? I'm going to see you tomorrow, right? Guess what? I'll see him tomorrow. Don't know you. So guess what? That seed was planted. Got it. I remember that. So I started developing a little distaste for it. The more I grew up, the more I started resenting the church. Guess what? I was still judging them too, wasn't I? Because I didn't know what was going on. So, here I go. Growing up, I was the black sheep of the family. It's fine. I own that too. So, I became the black sheep of the family because I was the first one that uh, pretty much denounced, I don't want anything to do with the church. Down south, that is that's bad. I'm just going to tell you right now. Oh my goodness, he is denouncing the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, I'm going to pray for him. Guess what? My name got brought up every single dinner table. Every single holiday supper. That's right, I said supper. It's okay. <laughs> so, <clears throat> here we go. Fast forward a little bit. I end up convincing my mother, guess what? I do not want to go to Christian prep school anymore. She said, that's fine. So, I went to a, uh, a junior high, public. Didn't even make it half the year. Didn't even make it half the year, which is fine because I ended up getting in a fight, and thank goodness I won. But, or at least that's my version of the story. But I mean, I mean, I'm not going to lie behind the pulpit. But so I won. But as soon as my mom found out, I went to a new Christian prep school. So here I go. I'm in Christian prep school. <clears throat> Would you know it? I lost my virginity at the Christian prep school during school. Wow. Let's talk about it. That's crazy, right? Just because we go to a Christian prep school doesn't mean we're in a Christian environment. So, here we go. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Christian prep school, woo right? So, anyways, carry on. Now... I leave that Christian prep school. I go to the uh, previous Christian prep school. I end up befriending a kid. He was like, dude, he's like, I can't stand these people. I was like, dude, who are you telling me? I can't stand them either. <clears throat> so he and I start hanging out. He introduces me to uh, the uh, lifestyle that I always wanted, acceptance. With that time, uh, by the time I could even graduate high school, I was already affiliated with Bloods. They were prominent on my side of town. But I found acceptance. And that's all I ever wanted. Now you ask yourself, what is a pretty white boy like you joining Bloods? Well, guess what? This pretty white boy had a lot of anger and resentment. And I needed to get it out. So, I wanted to earn their respect. I earned their respect. Then all of a sudden they said, you know what? We can use you. We can use you to make more profit. Because guess what? 
the most most prominent buyer of uh, cocaine is suburban white people. Guess what? They're not going to be afraid of me whenever I show up and go, <clears throat> you want some coke? You know? So, guess what? I sold it. Made a lot of money. Found a lot of acceptance. So the first scar I ever received was towards the uh, Christian people, even though I grew up in their, in their environment. So there's my first scar. So, the more I sold the drugs, the more money I had, and guess what? I loved money. Because guess what? My family didn't have a lot of it. But I was very good. I became a chameleon. Parents had no idea. <clears throat> so I said, well, you know what? I graduated. got my high school diploma. Thank goodness it wasn't a GED. But it is what it is. Because that's definitely what my father thought I earned. You got your GED, right? No, I got a high school diploma. So I move out. I end up getting a, uh, ended up renting a two master bedroom, two master bath, fireplace condo on the beach. My father's friend, he was a firefighter, had a lot of money. I was able to afford that. My parents thought that I earned it because I was working for one of his friends who owned a landscaping lawn maintenance business. Well, my parents had no idea what I was doing on the side. They just thought, well, he's going he's gonna to have enough to just afford this. He loves surfing. He's a good kid. He's not that bad. He has a few bumps and bruises. Well, guess what? They had no idea what was underneath the surface. So <clears throat> I end up moving in. And I said, you know what? I'm going to clean it up a little bit. Dad, I want to be like you. I want to go to firefighter school. So I went to firefighter school. But you better believe it. I failed out. I would sit there and I would work all day with the landscape, landscaping company. I would end up finishing. I would go to the school. And on my way from the college, I would sit there and sling coke. Just to sit there and make more money. <clears throat> so... I ended up uh, getting really bad off on, I was getting high on my own supply. I would sit there and I would drive. I would sit there and hit lines. It would get so bad to the point that I wouldn't be able to catch a high, so I would have to sniff a little water for it to be able to catch the drugs I was sitting there residing within, within my nose. For me to be able to catch it, that's how bad, I off I, bad off I was. I now have a deviated septum from it, but that's fine. That's my other scar. So I ended up falling in love with ink. I love the bad boy image. I wanted to be a bad boy. The only thing that I have yet to learn how to do that hopefully my wife will be able to teach me is how to ride a motorcycle. <laughs> so that's the only thing I have yet to learn how to do. Um, so I ended up meeting this girl. She and I kind of hit it off a little bit. And... Um, she kind of took me down a little bit darker path of how to feel like you love someone, but you really don't. You love what they're able to offer. And I had money. She loved that. So, one day, I ended up getting so high on my own supply that I was able to uh, do a complete eight ball by myself. And guess what? That still didn't affect me. So I needed more. So I got more. And before I knew it, I had ran out of my own money. 
I had to sit there and beat myself up to the point that my parents thought I got mugged because I was working another job as a waiter. I had to sit there and cover my stories more and more and more and more and more. So I covered that story. My parents were like, what's going on with you? I said, well, you know, I got beat up and I lost all my money. And they said, you need to come home. I said, well, that's cool. What else? Can't afford this place anyways. So I went home. I'm still seeing this girl. And one day my mom asked me, what are you doing with your life? I said, I don't know. She's like, well, obviously you don't want to go to college. So long story short, I ended up enlisting in the military. United States Army as a military police officer because my mom didn't want me to do infantry. This was during with the uh, Iraqi surge. And she was like, I don't want you to die. And I was like, well, why are you having me join during the Iraqi surge? This doesn't make sense. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. But <clears throat> little did she know that the military police were kind of like infantry, but we got to drive Humvees. Death before dismount is our uh, motto. Well, let me tell you, you do dismount. So here I go. I end up... Uh, Still dating this girl. She ends up cheating on me while I was in basics. She ends up cheating on me while I'm in Korea. We still end up getting married because I'm finally earning my father's respect. Dad, this is going to be a little hard to hear. So I apologize. I ended up marrying this girl because I wanted his approval. I wanted to be his best friend. He and I started being able to create that bond because I joined the military. June 26th, Right before I deployed, my father and I got a tattoo. It says ASNF right here. Another scar. A son never forgets. You're right, a son doesn't forget. And I'm still, in, still dealing with that today with my own son. So, <clears throat> I end up deploying. Still living a life of adultery because, guess what? I'm getting back at my, uh, my newly, newly wedded wife. Because she cheated on me, and I guess what? That really set with me that I really don't know how to love. I really don't know how to receive love. So here I am in Iraq. My grandfather dies. My best friend gets uh, stabbed to death. So I'm sitting in my chew, and I can't take it anymore. I'm done. Friends are dying. So I sit in my chew. A chew is a little building with two, ro- two beds keeping us out of the elements of Iraq. I sit there, I grab my 9mm, I rack it. I put it to my head and I pull the trigger. It doesn't go off. I rack it again. Discharge that round, put it to my head, I pull the trigger again. I said, dude, there's something wrong. One more round. Why not? Third time's a charm, right? Put it to my head, pull the trigger, doesn't go. I drop the magazine, I throw it away, I break it, I sat there and I said, you know what, I'm going to look at these rounds, guess what, that firing pin is hitting the primer, but it's not going, so guess what, grab another magazine, rack it, put it to my head, I said, I'm doing this, I said, I can't find love, I said, I'm losing people, I don't fit in, so let's go, let's ride it, my friend walks in, runs and smacks the gun out of my hand and goes, dude, what are you doing? I said, I want it to end, man. I said, I'm tired of hurting. He goes, they're not worth it. They are not worth it. I said, all right, fine. I end up getting help. Finally, I left that old ball and chain and got rid of it. I go to Germany. Started, started a new start, right? Why not? Why not Germany, right? Free trip to Europe. Best way to start, start fresh. I'm lost. 
A girl comes. I see her walking down the hall. She just got back from Afghanistan. I said, wow, she's hot. <laughs> right? She's hot. So she walks up to me. We exchange words. She stood me up for the first date, but that's fine. <laughs> she and I hit it off. We end up falling in love. We end up having conceiving our daughter. That September of 13, in one month, I'm telling you right now, one month, divorce was finalized, my daughter was born, and I was remarried all in the same month of September 2013. So, I'm like, all right, let's, let's go, all right? My, my life's turning around. Nope, I still have yet to resolve a lot of issues. I put this woman through so much, so much. She and I finally leave. We go, to, we go down south below the Bible Belt. I think, oh, sweet baby Jesus. I've got barbecue, sweet tea, and the Confederate flag. Right? I'm home again. <laughs> right? Well, this ended up probably being the hardest duty station I've ever had to deal with. I ended up uh, advancing in my career. I became the uh, NCOIC, the non-commissioner in charge of the SWAT team. Guess what? I'm about to start seeing a lot of bad stuff. My family's about to start enduring a lot of stuff. So, here we are. I'm dealing with a lot of things. I'm progressing in my career. I don't know how to deal with these things. The only way I'm successful is by being angry. I become addicted to anger. And I became addicted to taking it on my family. My wife and I didn't see eye to eye. I had to pack up my wife and move them to New Hampshire because she couldn't take it anymore. So, pack them up, ship them off to New Hampshire. I ended up staying in a fifth wheel out at the lake in the middle of the country by myself. My wife starts seeing a little bit of change in me, but I started seeing a really big change in her. She comes back. We start doing counseling at this church. Mind you, I'm still, still not saved yet. And I sit in front of this pastor, and this pastor sits there and tells me, you're head of the household, it's all your fault. And I tell you right now, I lit into him. I lit into him. I started yelling, screaming, cursing, did not care that I was in a church. I almost went across the table to beat his face in, because I could not accept that it is all my fault. I'm like, how in the world are you going to tell me it's all my fault? Well, guess what? My wife sat there, and I was just like, sucks to be you, Right? <laughs> So, so here we are. I start seeing a change in her. And one day, she just looks at me and she goes, you know what? It's all going to work out. I said, what Jesus juice are you drinking? And she goes, I'm going to tell you right now. I've given our marriage to God. And I said, well, that's cool. I grew up in the church and I know how it all works. It's all fake. And she was like, what? I said, I'm telling you right now. I said, why do you think I'm so vile? I said, why do you think I cannot stand anything that has to do with the cross? I said, why do you think my mom and I don't get along? Well, because it all started with that one seed. So, this pastor is like, Nick, I don't know what to tell you. This dude's a lost cause. And she, I'm telling you, she literally looked at me. She goes, our marriage is going to make it. And I said, there's no way. Well, one day... 
we saw this thing called Faith Force, and it really resonated with me. These really big, tough dudes that have really big muscles, and they're all tatted up, and they're all like, Jesus, Jesus. And I'm like, whoa, what is up with you? I said, that's pretty cool. So, long story short, I ended up being saved by the grace of God because my marriage was falling apart. Not for the first time. Not for the second time. But for the third time. This woman has stayed with me. For three times our marriage should have failed. And it was because she sat there and had that blind faith to sit there and say, you know what? God's got you. God's got our marriage. God has our kids. And showed me. I know that uh, I know that all of us deal with a lot of things. But I'm going to tell you right now to embrace your scars. Because I'm going to tell you right now, you may feel like you're in a room of 99, but you're always that one to our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to read this and end with this. It's absolutely beautiful. My wife introduced it to me, and I now wear it around my neck as a remembrance. It goes a little something like this. One night a man had a dream. He dreamed he was walking along the beach with the Lord. Across the sky flashed scenes from his life. For each scene he noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to him and the other to the Lord. When the last scene of his life flashed before him, he looked back at the footprints in the sand and he noticed that many times along the path of his life, there was only one set of footprints. He also noticed that it happened at the very lowest and saddest times of his life. This really bothered him and he questioned the Lord about it. Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I've noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, There's only one set of footprints. I don't understand why, when I needed you the most, you would leave me. And the Lord said, My son, my precious child, I love you and I would never leave you. During your times of trial and suffering, when you see only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. God's carried me to this point, to where I stand in front of every single one of you. With all my scars, with all my resentment, and with all the disdain that I've had, not only from the previous flock, to the people that I've met, to the places that I've been, He's carried me to this point. And I'm going to tell you right now, don't point the finger, people. Don't point the finger because you don't know what that second and third order of effect is going to be. No matter what we look like, no matter how we dress, our Lord Jesus Christ says, come as you are. So accept everyone. Don't love their sin, but accept them and say, come, come. Your life is meant for something bigger and better. Thank you. Well, since you're standing, you might as well all stand, and I'll close in prayer. I want to say two things. One, you did better than the first time I ever did.
I didn't get a standing ovation. I never get a standing ovation. <laughs> You're out. I have to make up my mind whether that three attempts was miraculous or providential, but holy mackerel. I think God has preserved him for a reason. Anybody want to guess that that's true? Amen. So thank you for being kind and uh, responding to our brother. And uh, I think he's got uh, a future in the kingdom work and his lovely family, too. I'm going to pray. If anyone wants to meet the Jesus he's talking about, see, it's not the church religious (gasps) Jesus that we're all used to. Too many of us are used to that. It's the living Jesus who changes lives. Uh, The altar's open. You can come, find out what it means to become a Christian. Elders and deacons, or deacons and deaconesses, if you notice, and pre-elders, if you notice there's people up here, come up and pray with them, okay? Let's pray together. We give you thanks because the gospel is true, even though the world yells that it isn't. Even though brilliant scientists who have passed away and now know better say that it's nonsense. It's the truth. There is a spiritual reality. There's a kingdom coming. There's a king to be served. And there's a king who loves us and wants to save us. And thank you that you're in the business, sometimes graphically saving our lives, but saving our soul and our body as well. Use us for your glory. Lord, put your angels around your people. Would you help us become a gospel-breathing assembly? In the name of Jesus, we pray and all of God's people said. Amen and amen. You are dismissed. God bless you. Be glad to talk.